morning, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name's Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here. I just want to say welcome this morning. Um, thanks for coming out amidst the heat. I don't know, I was in Texas this week, and I thought Florida was hot, but boy, was Texas hot too, right? But today, I felt like I walked out between services. I literally felt like I could grab the air. I don't know. It's so muggy out. Anyway, um, we are kind of smack dab in the middle of this series called Revolutionary. And we are spending eight weeks, it's the longest series we've ever done at DHC, talking about this kind of radical message of Jesus that he gave. And when we talk about it and think about it, we kind of came to the conclusion that the only word that we could use to describe this message was revolutionary, because this message changed everything in the history of humanity. And this message, what I'm going to talk about today, is called the Sermon on the Mount. So some of you, if you've been around church for a while or you've been engaging with us, you may be familiar with this message and this term. Those of you who have maybe not engaged with church in a while or maybe you've never been to church, you're kind of like, what is this? What is he talking about? And that's okay wherever you're at because at Downtown Harbor Church, every single person is welcome. No matter where they're at, no matter where they're from, no matter where they're at on their spiritual journey, no matter where they've been, you are all welcome at Downtown Harbor Church. We pride ourselves on that, being authentic, practical, and conversational. And so today we're going to talk about this thing, this Sermon on the Mount. And this was a message that Jesus gave to a group of people. And this message was given on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. If you're ever looking for something more to do during your week and you want to kind of Google where that was, it might give you some perspective for where in the whole world this location was that Jesus gave this message. And this message was so transformational and so different than anything that the people of the time have heard. And today, because we've actually done a lot of research on this message, and our research leads us to believe that even though the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew in the scripture kind of chronologically goes in order, our research has led us to believe that this message was actually given over an extended period of time, maybe even days. And so Jesus covers a myriad of topics in this message, so many topics. And so today, if you're kind of going, man, this guy might be jumping around a little bit in the message today and kind of talking about different things, yeah, I'm going to do that today. And I'm doing that specifically because Jesus did that in the Sermon on the Mount. He talked so much about so many different things that related to our lives and the people's lives at the time. And so today we're going to kind of do that. But I have a word that I'm going to put up on the screen that I'm going to start talking about today before we kind of dive into the scripture and the content. And this word is something that all of us kind of struggle with and our culture struggles with. And it's something that a lot of us, if we're being honest, it's something that we want in our lives. It's something that we don't necessarily have, but we long for. We want it so bad. And so what I want to do is we start out today. I want to talk about this one word that I think is so important for us to understand. And it's this word. It's simplicity. You probably long for simplicity in your life. In fact, a long time ago, like I was just a single guy before I got married, and I had a simple life, right? Like I just, and then all of a sudden I got married, and now I have another person, and life gets a little more complicated. And then you buy a whole bunch of stuff together, and all of a sudden your stuff accumulates, and then you have a garage sale where none of it sells, right? And then you have to go back and do it again. You're hoping for better results. But just think about this word, simplicity, for a second from a perspective of your smart device, because... Most people in the modern world have a smart device, whether it's a tablet or a phone or whatever. And I remember thinking, this is so awesome when it came out. All my stuff in one place. 
And now, so many years later, that you, well, I thought it was a simple thing all those years ago, but now so many years later, there's so much on that device, right? You know it if you're like me. You have to check your messages, your email, your Snapchat, your Facebook messages, your notes, your reminders. And by the end of the day, I'm like, this simple thing that was supposed to be so simple isn't so simple anymore. We've complicated it. People got involved with the process and they complicated things. See, another statement I want to make about simplicity, which is so important for us to understand about our lives, is it's far more difficult to stay simple than to get complicated. It's real easy to complicate things. It's easy to buy things and kind of stockpile stuff. This, this also applies to organizations. It's easy for organizations to get complicated and add events and programming one on top of the other. And sure enough, before you get even anything done, you realize how complicated organizations can be. So simplicity is something we kind of all long for in our lives. And Jesus provided a very simple way for us to get to God. See, let me make a point. See, there was the old way of doing things. For thousands of years, these ancient Jewish people had been doing things the old way. We call it around here kind of the temple model, right? Where they had been doing things in a different or, or in the same way for so long, and Jesus was going to come along with a new way. The old way was they had to follow a lot of laws. They had those Ten Commandments, which were like set in stone. Those were the laws they followed. But furthermore, once people got involved, they complicated it. And they wrote 613 new laws on top of those Ten Commandments that they had to follow. That was the old way. And Jesus came along with a new way, a simpler way. And today, we're going to talk about that simple way, but actually how demanding that simple new way is. So don't miss some of those points, because Jesus said, and he said some of these things right in the scripture that we're going to look at today. Jesus said radical things that changed the old way. Remember, I just said the old way consisted of a whole bunch of laws. It was complex. It was they had to do all these things, and when they broke one of those laws, they would have to go and sacrifice something to make things right with God. But Jesus said, whoa, everybody, ch check me out. I have a new way. I have a simpler way. Here's the simpler way. Believe that I am who I say that I am. Know God that way. That's how you can be made right with God. And then go and live the way I'm teaching you to live. And he taught us to live by doing so many things. But at the core of everything, he said, you need to live by loving your neighbor as yourself. At the core of everything that Jesus taught. And so we kind of pick up the Sermon on the Mount there, and we kind of look at some things that he said, because two weeks ago, and if you've missed this and you're new around here, that's awesome, check it out at our website, soflowchurch.com. There's an audio link there. But these two things I'm going to talk about are what we discussed the last couple of weeks. The first one was these things called Beatitudes, these supreme blessings, right? That if you want the blessing of God in your life, then these are traits or characteristics or things that you need to be doing, and you will have the blessing of God in your life your life. And we also kind of differentiated between blessings of God and success. And we said, hey, it's okay to be successful. Success is a good thing. You should strive for success. Make as much as you can. Be as, you know, build an empire of business and, and do that. And that's awesome to be successful. Just don't confuse success with the blessings of God because they're different. And then last week we talked about salt and light. We talked about these two things where Jesus said to his followers who were there listening to this. He said, once you say yes to me, you are the salt of the earth. 
You are the salt of the earth. And salt was so meaningful and powerful to the people of the time. They needed it for preservation of, of their food and like it helped add flavor. You, you are the salt of the earth. And they said, you're also the light of the world. The world needs you. This dark place called the world needs a hope and a light in it. And you are that light to a broken world. And today we, so today, we kind of pick it up. And Jesus mentions, as I said, a myriad of things today that we're going to cover. And the first one, and these, just, just let me give you a little preface. These are going to be personal for some of us. They're going to be really deep for a lot of us. A lot of us are going to be looking at this, going, looking at the words of Jesus going, man, this is my life or that's been my life and I got to move on or whatever it is. So just let God move today and understand that no matter where you're at, no matter where you've come from, this is a place for you. There is absolutely no judgment based on where you are at currently. We want every single person here. But the first thing that he talked about was murder, okay? Now, a lot of you probably, if you're like me, when I first started reading this, you just took yourself off the hook because you haven't murdered anyone and probably haven't thought about it. Well, if you've been on 95, you've thought about it. Like, everybody has thought about it if they've been on 95. If you've been in a Broward, and why on 95 did they put those new lanes? Like, I can't, like the express lanes, like I can't get off anywhere before Ives Dairy anymore. And if you've been to Aventura Mall, you know how brutal that road is, right? It's, it's terrible. And so like, oh man, that almost ended my marriage. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I did not. But murder was something that he talked about. And you know what that's like, okay? If you've ever been in those situations, just kidding. But here is what he said about murder. He said, you've heard, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Yeah, that makes sense. You murder someone, you take someone else's life, you should be subject to judgment. That seems reasonable to me. Jesus is like, yeah, and I bet the people were going, yeah, that sounds about right. But then Jesus, as he always did, flipped the lid on everything so radically in what he said next. And then he said, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Wait a second, Jesus, did you just compare anger to murder? Mm-hmm, yes, he did. He compared anger, that powerful emotion, to murder, taking someone else's life. Because when you are angry with someone, when you have a grudge with someone, when things are not made right amongst people, things are really bad in your life. Jesus knew this, speaking to the people at the time. He said, don't, don't, don't be angry. But then he even took it a step further because as Jesus always did, he spoke into their culture. And he knew what they had to do and where they went to know God, to make right with God when they broke one of those laws that I talked about. This is what he said. This is so radical and so different. He said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, remember they had to go offer a gift at the altar to make things right with God. If you are offering your gift at the altar and remember there that you're, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, and this is where it's so powerful, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. You know what he said? For the first time ever in the history of humanity, 
Your relationships with other people, the way you treat other people, the way you resolve arguments or quarrels with a family member or a coworker or someone who you haven't talked to in a long time, that is more important than being here. That is more important than you coming here and doing this. So he was saying this to them in one simple phrase. He said, go make it right. Go make it right. Furthermore, he was confirming that he was saying, you making it right is more important than you coming here. You making things right with your brother or sister, you making things right with someone you have a quarrel with is more important than you coming here. He said, it's so important, leave. And before you even come back, go and make it right. You know why he said it? Because there were so many, and you've encountered these people throughout your entire life just like I have. This is why we're doing things at Downtown Harbor Church, to try to change our community forever. There were so many religious hypocrites of the time who would have quarrels and things were not right with their relationships. And they thought they could just whisk that all away by walking into the doors and laying something down at an altar. That's what they thought. And you know what? Jesus said, no, don't, don't do that. You don't, don't, you, you don't need to worry about giving something at the altar. What you need to do is worry about going and making it right with the person who has wronged you or you've wronged. Go do that. It's more important than coming here. Because so many times people would come in and they go, forget my neighbor. I'm just going to go sit in a church service. And you know what? I'll be fine. Jesus said, absolutely not. Leave it. Go. Then come back. Now, the next one that he talked about, remember I told you we were going to kind of bounce around, is really personal. It's so personal um, for some of us because some of us have experienced this. Some of us have done this. Some of us have been um, on the other end of this. And some of us have been affected by the next word that's going to come on the screen. And I just want you to know wherever you're at, that when this word comes up, it's going to hit you in a way that, like it hit me. And I just want you to know that wherever, you've, wherever you're at, no matter wherever you will go in life, you always have a place here. And if you've been judged previously or you've been told you can't come in the doors of a place because of something that you've done, I believe that's wrong. And you're always welcome at Downtown Harbor Church and you can have a future. But Jesus talked next about adultery. This is really hard because some of us have done this. Some of us have been victims to it. Some of us have been affected by it. But Jesus talked about this really difficult thing that's so personal. And this is what he said about it. And I just want to be so candid about what he said. He said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, always takes it a step further, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus said, this is bad. It affects everyone, including you. Don't, don't even get close to the line because it's so hard to come back from. It's so painful. Now, let me make an analogy. We live in South Florida, right? We live in a place where there are a lot of beautiful people. Like if you've ever been down on South Beach or you're walking Las Olas or you're on Fort Lauderdale Beach or you're just out anywhere, you know, like it's hard. But Jesus is saying, hey, don't even look at a woman lustfully. Like, I mean, I've, and, and who isn't victim or guilty of that going, oh, you know, looking at someone in your eyes kind of go, whoa, okay, right? But South Florida is a place where that's like, prominent because look what's going on down here like i don't think they have that problem as bad as we do like in sioux city iowa you know what i mean 
I haven't been to Sioux City in a while, but last time I was there, it didn't appear to be like, okay. But here's the deal. Jesus is saying, let me, let me read what he says next so you can understand how, how important this is. He said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. That's deep. But here's what I want you to know. He uses this analogy and this example because he knew how much adultery affected people. And not just you or the person who might have been victim of it, but everybody. Because Jesus wanted us to have a good life. He wanted us to thrive on this earth. He wanted us to live in peace and love with our neighbors and those around us and our spouses and our families. He knew that. He said these severe words because this is how severe this action is. Jesus spoke so much truth about that. But I want to tell you this. I want to tell you my opinion based on the life of Jesus, what I know. I believe the local church over the course of time when someone has participated that or even been a victim of it, they've kind of put their hand out and they said, you're not allowed here. This is something that every one of us can come back from. You can put one foot in front of the other and be a part of something again. Your life is not done. Your life is not over. Jesus has a plan for you and a future. You can come back. Don't give up. And Downtown Harbor Church might just be the place where you feel like I'm welcome to openly deal with whatever happened there. DHC might be it. Because these doors here are always open. You can come back from that. Anything is possible. And don't let people tell you that you can't. You absolutely can. And the last one is this that Jesus talked about. He talked about eye for an eye. So in the old way, in the old law, it was said that if someone wronged you, you could do the same thing back to them. Let's, let's give an example. It was said that if you stabbed someone in the eye, that person legally could actually stab you back in the eye. And Jesus was about to pick this apart. Eye for an eye. He said Matthew 5, chapter 38, verses 40, or 38 through 41. You've heard it said that it was eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. This is, was in on the video if you saw it earlier. It's so important. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Meaning someone wants to wrong you, someone wants to hit you, give them the other cheek too. Sacrifice. No longer eye for an eye, no longer revenge. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, that's what Jesus said, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Let me tell you what he meant when he said this. Because Jesus was speaking to a group of ancient Jewish people who were, who were under Roman government occupation. And so what they were forced to do from time to time is they were forced to go with Roman soldiers and carry their gear could be pounds and pounds and pounds of gear. And it was said that they were forced to go with these soldiers one mile at a time. And back then, a mile was a long way. And Jesus said this to them, when they make you do it, don't just go one, go two. Sacrifice, laying it down, no longer an eye for an eye. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. If you're like me and you read this, you probably have some thoughts. 
Can you imagine, though, for a second, what these people some thousands of years ago, who had only known the old way, who had only known the way full of laws, could be thinking when they're hearing this? Do you know what they were probably thinking? And that I even think today when I read this, this is impossible. Jesus, this is impossible. Why are you telling me to do this? This isn't actually possible in our human lives. This isn't anything that we can do. How am I supposed to let someone just hit me? How am I supposed to not ever let my eyes wander? This is impossible, Jesus. What are you talking about? That's what I would be saying. And Jesus is calling his followers to the impossible. Because I want you to know something. With him, anything is possible, number one. And number two, what he's calling us to is a higher standard of living. Jesus is calling his followers to a higher standard of, don't miss this, life. Because if you actually do what he said, if you are not angry with people and you make it right, if you are in a relationship or marriage and you choose not to cheat on that person, your life will be easier. He's telling us this. And if you live a life of sacrifice, if you live a life of laying down yourself and not following eye for an eye, your life will be different and better. And you will be the salt of the earth and you will be the light to a broken world that he has called us to be. But Jesus seemingly is calling his followers to the impossible. And you know what? It seems impossible, but with him, it's not. And even though he's calling us to this new way, it is actually a simpler way than before. And I want to talk about why. How could this almost impossible thing be simpler than the old way? How could this impossible thing be absolutely simpler than the way that it was before? Adam, you've just called it impossible. How could it be simpler? Here's why. Because it's rooted in one thing. And it's the one thing that Jesus was rooted in more than anything else. It's the one thing that Jesus lived for. It's the one thing that we live to do to our community. It's the one thing that every single one of us who have at any point in time in our life said, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say that you are, that you died and rose again three days later, and now I'm going to know you, and then what do I do to this world that needs me? You tell me that I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What does this world need? Why is this way simpler? Because it's rooted in one thing, love. Every single thing we talked about today is rooted in love. Every single thing. And every single thing we talked about two weeks ago is rooted in love. And every single thing that we talked about last week is all rooted in love. But here's my point. Love is a couple of things, right? Love is, and I'm going to talk about these things, and I want you to understand why I'm saying this and how I'm going to unpack this for just a minute here before we wrap up. Love is a few things. Love is hard. Oh boy, is love hard. Have you ever kind of woken up and gone, love is easy? Because I haven't. Caitlin's at the ER today, so I can say this, which is nice. She's on shift. I hope you don't have to see her. That'd be really bad for you if you have to see Caitlin today. But when I like first got married, and I was like, 
what in the world did we do? Like, I mean, and we loved each other, but like we would get up in the morning and like we'd be all in each other's business. And I was like, love is hard. This love thing is not easy because you have to agree on something. And there's, it's just, love is just difficult. It's hard to do, right? Love is also challenging. You know this if you're in a relationship, but you also know this just by loving other people. You know why? Because there's a lot of pieces of work out there. Like they're just, and you know who they are. It's just hard. It's hard to love other people. Love is hard. Love is challenging. Love is demanding. Love takes effort. Love takes you putting someone else before you. Love, this whole thing that this is all rooted in, this is demanding. And lastly, let me tell you why I think this is so important. You know how easy it was to go lay a sacrifice down at an altar? It took just a few minutes. But love, love is also time-consuming. Love is hard. Love is challenging. Love is demanding. Love is time-consuming. So Jesus, throughout this Sermon on the Mount, and throughout this message series, you're going to find out something, and I believe it with all of my heart, that Jesus is calling us to a far simpler way. But it's far more demanding. Love is hard. Love is demanding. It's challenging, and it's time-consuming. But it's worth everything. Jesus gave his life to prove to a broken world how much it needed love. Jesus calls us to a far simpler, yet far more demanding way. Far more. It's much simpler than the old way. But oh boy, is it more demanding. It's more demanding to go make something right with someone else who you don't want to than it is to come to an altar and lay something down. It's more demanding to work on your marriage or your relationship than it is to just throw it away. It's more demanding. It's more demanding to sacrifice yourself from somewhat for, for other people rather than just to seek revenge. That's demanding. But it's far simpler because it's rooted in the one thing that should consume every one of our hearts more than anything we could ever, ever ask for, and that is love. Love. And maybe you have not been around the church for a long time, or maybe you've had a bad church experience, and somewhere along the way, someone tried to tell you that it wasn't about love, that love was this fluff thing that we shouldn't engage with, that Jesus didn't preach about. Well, I'll tell you this. The most famous verse that Jesus probably ever spoke, and the one we talk about the most here, is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is everything but it is far more demanding let me pray for us dear god i am so so thankful for downtown harbor church and who you are this is an amazing group of people and i just have the privilege so often to just get to know some of them and they've gotten to know some other people who are here and god we are just so thankful that you have brought all of us together here where we just need to be and Lord, as we look at your word line by line like we did today, we have to understand that you are calling us to a more like, prominent and demanding way of life. But God, it's better. Everything is better. And I pray that you would help us in the room do that. 
I pray that you would help us to seek after you by listening to what you say and going and doing it. So that at the end of the day, we can love our neighbor as ourselves. And we pray this today, all in Jesus' name, amen.